You're listening to the Baby Dust Fertility Podcast, and I'm your host, Hannah Bowers. Now, on to the show. Welcome back to the Baby Dust Fertility Podcast. I hope that you've had a great start to your week. You know, we've had such an active community lately. So thank you for those of you who just show up regularly, who really contribute to the community and make it such a supportive place. It it really is awesome just seeing all of the comments of encouragement and support. And, um, you know, I, I just love the Baby Dust Fertility community because it's that space where you know you can go to and connect with other people who know exactly where you're at on the journey. So thanks for those of you who keep showing up and being there. But today I'm excited to sit down with another guest. Um, You know, I always find my guests on Instagram. I tell you this all the time because it's true. Um, But the truth is I really enjoy just getting to feeling like I get to know people before I bring them on the show. And so today we are interviewing Allison Locke. She is an acupuncturist and integrative health practitioner, And truthfully, I've just really enjoyed all of her educational content, um, and and I think you're just going to love what it is that we're going to dive into today. So welcome. Thank you for for spending a few minutes with us. Thank you for having me. I'm excited. So the first thing I always love to ask, um, because honestly, I'm a little nosy, I love to hear the story, but... How did you arrive working in fertility? Is this where you envisioned yourself going? Um, Or did you come here by another pathway? I was kind of thrown into this world a bit accidentally. Um, As I was finishing Chinese medicine school, there was one clinic that I really wanted to work at because I had been kind of interning with them while I was in school. I really liked the people and they primarily focused in fertility and reproductive health. That was majorly what they kind of did. And so uh, it was kind of almost a requirement of working there. I had to learn all of this stuff about fertility and hormones and menstrual health and all this kind of stuff about reproductive health that I just just really blew my mind. And I realized that there was just so much that we aren't taught as women about our own bodies. And it really kind of spurred this passion in me and I've been in love with it ever since. Um, And then particularly a few years into my practice, I was diagnosed with endometriosis. And so that kind of added this extra layer of, okay, I now I really understand what a lot of my patients are going through with endometriosis or any kind of reproductive health challenge in general. Um, there We share a lot of similarities, uh, but then also kind of helped inspire me to take action of my own health and figure out what worked for me, uh, but then also do a whole bunch of research and figure out what can help my patients with endometriosis too. Mm, I th- I think that's amazing that you kind of took that experience and just really dug in um, to create this area of expertise. I know that's something we were talking about before we hit record here. Um, but over the last several years of, you know, I've been in this space for a while now. I observe this space for, of fertility for even longer than I've been a health coach. And I, I've noticed that endometriosis there's is one is the condition that i feel like there's a lot of holes in there's not a lot of like there's no i don't have a currently a go to resource which i feel like is not what i say about much anything else um so what has been your experience there as you're navigating that have you been surprised by the lack of just general education and awareness what's that been like 
Oh, definitely. Yeah. I think that was kind of what inspired me to kind of take control over my health and my own research in general, because I kind of learn by like studying and researching. And if there's something I don't understand, I'll get a book about it and read it because I want to fully understand something. And so I was looking, uh, and this was years ago when I was just diagnosed with endometriosis, um, there were probably like 10 books about endometriosis in general, uh, and specifically like how to help yourself with it, how to treat it, how to manage it. Um, and so I, and a lot of, some of them are really, some of them are, a few of them are good, but a lot of them just like were very not satisfying to me and, and just were really not helpful in general. So I was really disappointed with what, I mean, t today there's a few really good books about endometriosis, but back then there really wasn't a lot. And I was just like, okay, how am I going to learn and understand this huge, complex, um, systematic disease? And so I just dove into the research myself, created a whole bunch of uh, material and stuff of all my research and all of my, I just collected all the info that I could possibly get my hands on about endometriosis. Mm, that's amazing. I love that. Oh, I feel like we are kind of kindred in our love of research because everything you said <laughs> there, I'm over here like, oh yeah, that's exactly what I would do and what I've done in my own situation. Uh, it's hard to not overturn that next stone and then the mm -hmm. next one and the next one. Yeah. Uh, but you know, for someone who's struggling with endometriosis, um, you know, I hear this all the time in our community, you know, women who share, you know, I've been diagnosed, you know, I'm at this stage. The only option I'm really given is a surgical intervention, or I've already had the surgical intervention and I'm not seeing improvement. What is the first thing that you would want someone to know who is struggling with this condition? Well, one of the first things I say to a lot of my patients with endometriosis that are also concurrently like wanting to conceive, um, because there is a lot of fear when you have endometriosis, because a lot of doctors will tell patients, oh, you're going to have a hard time conceiving. Similar with like PCOS, you're going to need IVF. This is going to be difficult. And it does such a disservice to a lot of women because I, I feel like I... I always remind my patients that 60% of people with endometriosis will not struggle with fertility. And that is the majority of people with endometriosis. So I do always want to plant that seed that don't just get it in your head just because you have endometriosis, you are going to struggle with fertility. There are not synonymous diagnoses. But then also that endometriosis is primarily an inflammatory disease. So it's not really a hormonal disease. There's hormonal influences, but it's primarily inflammatory. So that means anything that we can do to reduce inflammation is going to help your symptoms. And then I also, and there's a lot of things we can do holistically to support inflammation in general through diet and lifestyle and supplements and herbs and all other sorts of practices. Um, but then I also help a lot of my patients kind of navigate the Western medical side of endometriosis, having gone through surgery and gone through the whole process myself, um, having the firsthand experience of how to navigate that. I also find it really valuable to like show my patients that there are different kinds of endometriosis surgeries. These are This is the one that you want to look for. These are the kinds of things that you want to ask your surgeon and your doctor. Uh, these are the referrals you need to get. Um, and just kind of trying to help them navigate that as well, I think is really important in an overall endometriosis treatment plan. Mm. Yeah, that that's definitely a helpful piece. There's just so much confusion, I think, balled up with this condition, just like we said, because there is that lack of information, uh, even though it does, at least in my community, is fairly common. I, I because I don't remember off the top of my head, the general population stat, but it, 
you know, there's still just so much like unknown. So when you're navigating Mm -hmm. that with a patient, um, you're working with them. Is that something that you do in conjunction with them seeing a, like a Western focused provider? Um, or is that something that you do separate? How does that work? It really depends on my patient and what their goals are um, and the severity of their symptoms and what's on the table for them. So if medication's on the table for them, awesome. That's totally fine. I'll help them navigate that side of things and questions to bring to their doctor. Um, and then if, if surgery's on the table, also awesome. But if neither of those things are, then I'm you know super happy to help my patients purely holistically uh, and whether or not they're trying to conceive. There's a whole bunch of factors depending on um, depending on what's going on with the picture of my patient because endometriosis can present so differently in each person and each person can struggle with a different set of symptoms compared to the other. Mm, yeah, that, that's yeah, so true. It makes it a very complex. It is. <laughs> it's extremely complex. <laughs> So, yeah, so so you're working from that holistic perspective mm-hmm. as, as an expert in traditional Chinese medicine. Um, you know, obviously there's no one straightforward treatment protocol, but do you mind breaking down maybe a little bit of some of the more common ways that you see um, this holistic approach supporting endometriosis? Are there like some specific interventions or therapies that you find that you're doing more often with a patient who has endometriosis? Oh, definitely. Yeah. So I love when people come to me in person and want acupuncture and Chinese herbs and stuff like that, because I do find it so, so helpful uh, to like really get the ball moving and really starting to see some positive changes in their pain and all their other symptoms and their period and that kind of stuff. Uh, But then I also, yeah, I treat very holistically. So I'm always going over diet and kind of showing them like these are the foods that very commonly based on evidence show that it can aggravate endometriosis. And these are the things that we need to focus on, including. Um, I always have a spiel about blood sugar stability because that (laughs) is a huge root of inflammation in our body if our blood sugar is on a roller coaster all day because we're not eating enough protein or we're skipping breakfast or other meals and we're just not uh, eating to support healthy blood sugar stability, then that is going to create a lot of inflammation that will manifest in your like a painful period at the end of the month. So uh, just kind of teaching my patients ways on all the different ways that they can kind of help balance their hormones and reduce inflammation. I'm always, I'm a huge fan of supplements. I think supplements can be really profound in, you know, reducing inflammation, supporting liver and gut health, which is really important for endometriosis. Um, And then, yeah, just lifestyle things, um, exercise and sleep and stress relieving practices, working with the nervous system. I love a good pelvic floor physiotherapist if there's uh, a lot of symptoms involving the pelvic floor. So there's, yeah, there's a lot of, I've got a whole list of (laughs) kind of my interventions that I go through kind of depending on what my patient's goals are and what their main symptoms are that they like to see resolved. Mm, Well, obviously, you know, there is that specialized piece that you customize to each patient, but it sounds like that a lot of the things that, you know, often it's wise to implement for fertility anyway, can go a long way to benefit the condition. Do you find that just shifting a lot of those lifestyle practices uh, and those dietary habits uh, reduce uh, the pain and the discomfort for most people? 
Absolutely. Yeah. So when we're, you know, balancing our hormones and reducing inflammation and regulating our nervous system, not only is that going to be beneficial for your PMS and period pain and other endometriosis symptoms and digestive stuff, but it's also going to support your healthy fertility too, because like, you know, a balanced uh, hormone environment, a balanced nervous system, a pelvic environment that doesn't have a whole bunch of inflammation that might damage egg quality, those things uh, are definitely going to positively impact fertility, but then also positively impact your period and your endometriosis symptoms. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I just, I think it's, I think it's exciting when we kind of, when, you know, you kind of start diving in and recognizing that, you know, some of these shifts, which really aren't intimidating or difficult, especially if you're working with someone to implement, you know, when I work with my clients and we're incrementally implementing the shifts that get them to that goal. It's really exciting because it's like suddenly you've taken two small steps forward, but you're, you're physically, you're mentally experiencing so many positive benefits just by making those tiny shifts. I mean, I think Mm -hmm. that's something that I love. I love to repeat and, and to mention because a lot of times it seems like, you know, there's this overwhelm and intimidation about making any changes. Um, but, but it doesn't really, it doesn't really have to be the, this huge, like, pushing a rock up a hill type experience. Yeah, no, exactly. I love that you uh, that you mentioned like the small incremental things because that's kind of my style too. Like we're not changing your entire diet and lifestyle and everything overnight. That's not sustainable. That's not going to help anyone. That's just going to be stressful and you're going to burn out and then, you know, it's going to be it's going to be too difficult. So yeah, I'm a huge fan of like let's do a couple things here once that feels more stable, add in some other things and they really do incrementally add up to make a huge difference because every little thing that you're doing can really make a huge difference in the long run if you're developing these healthy habits. Yeah, definitely. So true. So you mentioned that you've kind of seen some newer resources coming into the space for endometriosis. You mentioned there's a couple books that you feel are good these days. Do you mind sharing some of those things that you see as being the most helpful to someone who's trying to navigate this condition? Um, oh gosh. Okay. I should have, I should have, yeah, I should have looked up the names of the books. Um, Jessica Drummond has a good book. I think it's called Arts Outsmarting Endometriosis. Mm, yep. And there's a couple other, uh, good ones that I can't remember off the top of my head, um, that have recently come out. Um, but I always direct my patients also to Nancy's Nook on Facebook, the mm. Facebook group that has, um, just a a huge library of resources that's very evidence-based because I think the trouble that we get into with social media is that a lot of people that struggle with the disease uh, and they're saying what helps them aren't necessarily backed by science or backed by any kind of reputable credentials. And there's a lot of misinformation online. And I know people, you know, want to help each other out, but I find that there can just be so much conflicting information about endometriosis and like, should you eat red meat or not? Can you eat gluten or not? Um, Is this one supplement supposed to help? What is the supplement for endometriosis? Uh, Is vegan the best diet? Just like there's so much information that just gets really convoluted and gets super confusing. Um, So I find just resorting back to the people that uh, kind of have the the science evidence-based background and have sort of the credentials and what they are saying because they are the ones that are going to be looking at the research and the science and they're not just going to say things on a whim because it helped one person or it just only helped themselves and that's a very anecdotal experience. Yeah, I think what you brought up there is a great point and it's something that I see in in 
our community a lot, <laughs> which I think is just the natural tendency of being human. You know, you try something, Absolutely. Yeah. you feel better. And so you want to share it. I totally get that. Um, but we forget that if it worked for us, it doesn't necessarily mean that that's the right strategy or approach for someone else. Um, and so, yeah, it does get overwhelming and, um, it can be just confusing too, because you get all these conflicting, like, oh, you have to do this. You have to take mm-hmm. this. You have to change this or, or don't eat that. But, but when in reality, we really want to go back to those resources that start us in the evidence so that we can then make informed decisions. And that's not to say that what the evidence says is going to be the exact best approach for each person. But Very true. Yeah. if we don't start there, then we don't have any evidence to at least make an informed decision off of. So I yeah. think that's something so important and so so helpful to just reiterate, especially in this day of media. You know, I mean, everybody's got their cell phone within three feet of each <laughs> other at all times, right? You know, we're bored. What do we do? We scroll social media. We read from people. We get we get we get on here. We get on there. It's just it, that has become the thing that we do, and so we're just constantly inundated with all these streams. And a lot of times, mm-hmm. you know, unless this, this is your profession, you are or de- even if it is your profession, unless you really niche down to a specific topic, it can be hard to differentiate what looks like believable and really reliable information from what is actually the truth. Yeah, exactly. I completely agree. And I think it's it's also just important like to to zoom out too because I feel like with social media we get very fixated on I need to cut out gluten entirely. I need to to be vegan. I need to do this one thing. I have to take this one supplement. But really like I think we need to zoom out and be like go back to the basics. Are you eating regularly? Are you sleeping enough? Are you moving your body? Are you supporting your mental health on a daily basis? I feel like those things are so much more important as opposed to like, how much gluten are you (laughs) eating per day? (laughs) Yeah, it's so true. And it's easy to get focused on these like micro pieces and then Mm -hmm. forget that it's like, well, sure, maybe for you, this micro piece does matter. But, but really, if we haven't aligned some of these really core foundational things, there's a lot of even evidence-based and great interventions that just may not be super effective because the basic foundation has not been put in place. And so exactly. I think that's, that's so important to remember too. It, you know, I ha- we had another uh, guest on the show, Caitlin Johnson, a couple episodes ago, and she talked about how it's not as, you know, attractive to go for eating more frequent meals or getting outside in the sun. So you've got the sun exposure, but the Mm -hmm. truth is these things make a difference. Yeah. Um, And we just can't, we can't get past that. Yeah, exactly. There's no supplement that's going to uh, override like five hours of sleep per night. (laughs) (laughs) So true. So for anyone who's listening, who's navigating endometriosis and is looking for someone to help guide them through this, how do they connect with you? So I'm fairly active on Instagram. Um, I'm C of Chi Healing. I talk a lot about fertility and hormones and endo in general. Um, I think my general advice is just find a practitioner, like an integrative health practitioner, functional medicine provider, naturopath, any of those people that have a ton of education. 
and specialize particularly in kind of what you're looking for, because then then you know that they've done a whole bunch of additional research and they've got a whole bunch of additional expertise in that as well. So I think that's just one of my biggest things is find like your healthcare team, because with endo, you're not going to get all of your answers from your gynecologist or your family doctor or your surgeon or whoever you kind of need, like you need all of them. You need the people that will help you help, uh, teach you what to eat and what are the exercises that are what will work for your body and what supplements to take, your medication options, your surgical options. We kind of, I feel like in this day and age, we really do need that really comprehensive healthcare team to help us navigate these chronic illnesses that do affect every part of our bodies. Mm, that's so true. And I appreciate you saying that because, um, you know, a lot of times we see that one provider as the be all end all for everything. Um, and it's just, we have to remember that there is so much information available now. It is really unfair to expect one person to have a mile deep knowledge on every single possible aspect. Now you might, you might here and there find that gem who really does know like a mile deep, but the truth is not every provider is like that. And so it does make such a difference to build out that team and to have different people in your corner who you can trust and go to mm-hmm. and ask questions for, um, who can give you insight. Um, so, so I, I appreciate you saying that very much. Well, Allison, thanks for taking time to be with us today. We're going to include links in the show notes so that our listeners can connect with you. So for anyone who's listening, please scroll down. You you can head over to Instagram. You can um, explore Allison's posts. You can get to know her a little more, give her a follow. She's got a lot of great information there. Um, But otherwise, that's it for today. Um, I hope you've enjoyed this episode and found it to be really useful. If you have, don't forget to subscribe. That way you don't miss the next episode when it comes out next week. But with that, we're going to sign off for today and we'll talk to you soon. Bye for now. Hey friends, are you tired of taking your temperature every single morning? Well, I want to introduce you to the temp drop. The temp drop is a wearable fertility monitor that automatically takes your basal body temperature. It's compatible with polycystic ovarian syndrome and can even be used postpartum, making this an extremely versatile device to have on hand. What's great about this monitor is that it will automatically sync with your cell phone app, making it simple to take your temperature and track it. Now you can save on the temp drop if you head over to tempdrop.com and use the code blissberrywellness.